Good morning, Church Project. We're so glad to be joining you today, wherever you're at. Um, we often say we're a church, we're a gathering of people that love Jesus, and we love the mission of Jesus in this world, and we want to live that out together. And we're also a project, we're an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended the church to be. There, there's a few things that kind of separate us and set us apart. They're distinctives of Church Project that I've really grown to love over the years, and especially during this time of uh, having to socially distance from people. And there's a few things that we do at Church Project. One is our Sunday gathering. Well, welcome. We see that the, the New Testament church met by the thousands in the temple courts, and so we do the same with our Sunday gathering. We see that the early church also, they gathered by the dozens in house churches, and thank God for house churches, right? I mean, especially during this time, a lot of our house churches are meeting online, they're doing Zoom, and hey, as Zoom as cool is, I can't wait till it's in the room. They, there's, there's no substitution for the room, but until we can gather as house churches in the room by the dozens, we're going to continue on Zoom and some of us might be gathering right now in the room as house churches. I'm so thankful that we've had house churches even coming into COVID. That's a thing that sets us apart. Another thing that we focus on in our three pillars is our ministry partnerships. Like we are very generous for the sake of simplicity. We, we use our budgets. We give everything. We spend our money very simply so we can be very generous. And so we have our ministry partnerships and I just got to tell you, Church Project, we are a generous people with our time, with our word, and with our money. And so I want to encourage you to keep giving to Church Project faithfully as we continue to give to our ministry partnerships. Welcome to Church Project. I want to jump right in today. And we started last week in the book of Ruth. So if you would, just open up your Bibles to the book of Ruth. We're going to be looking at chapter 1, verses 6 through 13 today. And um, I want to read this. But before I read this, I want to give us another challenge. Like, here's the challenge. I said it last week. My job as I communicate is to expose the scripture as fully and as accurately that I can and explain it as clearly as I can. Like, we're going to be biblical, simple, and relevant. So my goal is to accurately explain the Bible. I want to do it in a very simple way. And I want to do it in a way that makes sense to all of us. That's my challenge today, is to fully expose and explain the scripture. You have a challenge, though, as well. It's a beautiful dance. Your job is to absolutely evaluate what I'm saying, to consider it, whether to accept it or not, is it truth or not, and then to readily apply it to your life. So as I open up scripture today, I pray, pray over the words that I'm speaking, and I pray over our hearts as the Holy Spirit guides us, that when we see something that God's shown us here, that we would be quick to say, God, you are the Lord of my life, and apply it to our lives. So let's look. Ruth chapter uh, 1, verses 6 through 13. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters and daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on a road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Verse 8. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown me kindness to your dead husbands, and to me, 
May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I am going Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for, for births uh, to sons? Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Okay, not, not quite the finest reading of scripture there, but you get it and you follow along. And so as we look here, look in verse six, because if you remember last week, the first five verses, if Ruth ended in the first five verses, it was destruction. Like it, it started with funerals, a famine. It started with funerals and there was a lot of destruction and a lot of us could, could kind of maybe relate to Ruth in the first five verses. And as her story continues in verse six here, when Naomi heard in Moab, if you remember, Naomi last week in Elimelech left Bethlehem and went 30 to 50 miles to the land of Moab, which was on the other side of the Dead Sea. And they lived there for a decade. They lived there for 10 years. And so when she was there, her husband died, Naomi's husband died, and then her two sons died as well. So those are the three funerals we see. And so in verse six, it picks up and says, when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of the people providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. The thing that stands out to me right away as we look at this is she's living away from God's place. She's living away from God's people. And she'd been there for an extended amount of time, 10 years. And she heard in Moab. Well, how did she hear in Moab? Did she get an email, a text message? Like, how did she find out what God was doing back in Bethlehem, back in Judah? He, um, she recognized this at the very beginning. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid, it says later that she wanted to return home there. And I think for the first time, maybe in 10 years, Naomi recognized who she is and whose she is. She recognized she said, listen, I belong to the people of God and I belong to the place of God. Why am I in Moab? And she heard in Moab in a distant, far off country what God was doing. And in a very real sense, if you even look at New Testament stories, you hear of the prodigal son and you hear of the prodigal son that was far off. And we see of a father when the son was coming back that he was very patient and he waited for his son. And I can only imagine how Naomi felt when she realized, wait, I'm supposed to be over there with God's people and God's place. And she recognized that God was uber, uber patient with her. And when she was coming home and heading back home, I wonder how she felt. It's like, I'm leaving Judah. I'm finally going back. Well, here's... What's strange to me, she heard in Moab, and like I said, how did she hear? 
It wasn't a text message. It was how did she hear? This is not the place where Christians are living. This is a place far from from Judah. This is a place where the people are serving different gods. And God had been moving in such a mighty and powerful way that even the people in a foreign country of foreign religion, of foreign beliefs, heard what God was doing. When God moves, he moves. And the world will take note. Whether they're atheists, whether they they proclaim other kinds of different faith, like here's the deal. When God decides to move, no matter where we are at, no matter what country we are in, we will know that God is moving. And so we see here that she's in a different land and she heard in Moab, like everyone else, that God was moving in Moab. It reminds me of a story. And this story I heard of a few years ago because this gentleman came and, and spoke to Christian, Christian business leaders. And his name was Tamarat Lan, Lyan, L-A-Y-N-E, how, however you say that. And here's the deal about his story. Like he grew up far from God. And he ended up getting arrested. He ended up spending time in jail He ended up in a prison cell, not knowing who God was as an atheist. And then God suddenly, literally appeared to him in his jail cell. Physically appeared to him in his jail cell. Now I know, especially if maybe you grew up Baptist or you're very, really conservative in in the Bible or in our American ways, it's hard to think that God can move outside of the box. It's hard to think that God can do whatever he wants to do. It's hard to think that God can reach you in Moab. 10 years later. God can move in powerful ways. And this gentleman that that Jesus appeared to him in his jail cell realized that it was God Almighty and became a Christian. He's a powerful Christian right now. And and the cool thing is, listen to his story. I mean, his wife, the very same night, years, years ago, Jesus appeared to her too. And they're both now Christians just serving God. Like, listen, stop putting God in your cute American box. God can move in Moab, even if, if you've been away for a long time. So here we hear that when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people, I just have to pause right there, that the Lord had come to the aid of his people. When I read that, you really have to think, what, what is this all about? Because if he's just now choosing to come to the aid of his people, couldn't he have done it earlier? Couldn't have God moved earlier? And here's a fact we see in scripture oftentimes, that God will always fulfill his word to us in his time. Like whatever promise God has given you, hold on to that. It may not be now. It may not be finding its way to reality now. It may may take a while, but God will always fulfill his word in his time to you. And as we hear of this, the Lord had come to the aid. I I just want to make this brief mention. This is one of two places where we actually see in the book of Ruth a mention of God moving. In fact, most of the book of Ruth, to be actual, 52.4% of the book of Ruth is dialogue, where God isn't, isn't actually mentioned. It's not, he's not really addressed. This is one of the places. Later on at the end of the book, we'll see the second place. But most of this story is God's providence moving behind the stories in the dialogue. As a dialogue about what's happening, you get to see God moving in powerful, powerful ways. God will always fulfill his word to us in his time. See, some of us, and most of us probably at times in our life, we have these skewed images of who God is. 
Like we think, hey, we become a Christian, we sign that box, we get baptized, and everything's going to be just okay. Like the world is going to be fine. Like it's almost just like our, our fire insurance. So we don't go to hell. We, we, we say, God, we're a Christian. We want to live like you. But as we look at and we read in scripture, that is actually not the case. Look at this. It's in John 16, It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, though, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. So I'm not sure where you're at. If you feel like spiritually you're in Moab, you're, you're ten, re, 10 years removed from God's people and God's presence. Life around you is chaotic. Life is hard. And I say, just sign, just, just know, you're part of the list of hundreds of thousands of Christians, men and women of faith that have come before us, that have realized and lived out that this world and this world, you will have trouble, but take peace. God has overcome this. See, God's promises, wherever we're at, he's going to fulfill them in his time. And we have to trust him. So we see here, they heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people and by providing them food. And then what did it do to them? And, and it says, and her, uh, she and her daughter-in-law is prepared to return home from there. Return home from there. Um, in verse 7, when her two daughter-in-laws, with her two daughter-in-laws, she left the place where she had been living and set out on a road that would take them back to the land of Judah. And when I put all those together, she left Judah where she had been living to go where? Back to Judah. And I can't even think of a better place in, in the Bible that illustrates what repentance looks like. I can't think of a better place. Repentance literally means to recognize where we are at and to do a 180, to turn and to start going back another way. And we see here in this, these two verses right here, Naomi realized where she was living. She's like, I'm done with this and I'm going back to where I need to be. That's repentance. Some of us right now, we might find ourselves in Moab. We might find ourselves in, maybe not physically in Moab, that might be impossible, but, but maybe spiritual Moab. Like God has called us to do something and we just haven't, man. It's been 10 years. He's asked us to live a certain way, but we just haven't. And it's affected so many people in our lives. Like our life just continues to spiral. We see famines, we see funerals. We just know like God's Holy Spirit is prompting us to change. And maybe in this day right now, even as we talk today, God's calling you to repentance, to turn, to go back to the land of Judah. 1 John 1.9 says this, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When we finally say, no more living in Moab, when we finally say, I'm sick of it, I'm done living like this, God is like this loving, gentle God with his arms open wide, just like the prodigal son returning home. He's saying, I'm coming, now come home to me, child. I love you. I've been so, so patient with you. So maybe that's the story for you today. I mean, we're, we have more verses to go through, but maybe that's the thing that God's going to use and grab the scripture to jump out at you. It's just, man, whatever it is that you feel like you're living in, in this Moab, apart from God's people, you know that you need to change. Repent, turn, go back. God's there. He's, he's there with his arms open saying, come home, welcome home, child. Okay, let's get to verses eight and nine. Then Naomi said to her two, uh, then Naomi said to her, uh, where am I at? Sorry, 
Then Naomi said to her two daughter, daughters-in-law, go back, each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. Verse 9, may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. And she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud. Here in verse 9, we see Naomi saying, go back. Go, go back home and may the Lord show your kindness. And we see already Naomi's heart. She is pronouncing blessing over her daughter-in-laws. She's not wishing harm on them. She's pronouncing blessing over her daughter-in-laws. And she's encouraging, I think, also for her daughter-in-laws to count the cost. Like, I, I just don't know. I, I wasn't there. So we see in verse 10, here's what I want to pose. It's, it's a different question, actually, because last week we looked at Elimelech, and, and he kind of got a bad rap. But let's look at the other side here, because we see in verse 10, it, uh, verse 10 says, And he said to her, and, she, and said to her, We will go with you to your people. So the daughter-in-laws are talking to Naomi. They're saying, We will go with you to your people. How is this so? There must be something so compelling about Naomi and the way that she's living her life that the two daughter-in-laws are willing to leave their country, their people, which makes me just wonder. I, I have no way to prove this, but it makes me just wonder. Maybe Elimelech, he lived a, such a godly life that his sons knew who God was, even apart from being in Judah, that Naomi knew who God was. And the sons ended up marrying these two women that, I mean, we obviously, Ruth changed the course of history. So could Elimelech really be that bad? Like, maybe he found himself a few years living into, um, you know, uh, Moab and realized, oh, I made a big mistake and how can I make lemonade out of my lemons? Maybe God played with his heart. It's all hypothetical. I, I just want us to think, though, like, what would it take for Ruth to leave? Elimelech must have done something pretty right to have such amazing daughter-in-laws. And I bet God was super patient with him as well. And, and we see that in verse 8 and 9, we see, Go back, may the Lord show you kindness. Naomi is blessing the daughter-in-laws. We see in verse 10, they say, No, one of them says, No, we will go with you and your people and even though, even though they understand this, if you're Naomi, your flight back into Israel, into the land of Judah, you are an old woman. You're not going to have sons anymore. That's not a good place to be. You're not going to look highly upon. And Ruth, going to the land of Judah, she's a Moabite. How do you think she's going to be accepted in this, pe- in this place? And so they, we see here this mutual understanding for the plight of each other that Naomi and Ruth had. They both realized they were going to be marginalized. But maybe that's what repentance is. Maybe, maybe repentance is turning from the land of Moab or turning from the sin that you have in your life, turning 180 and going and counting the cost, saying, man, this is going to be hard. We're going to be marginalized, but I just know that God is calling me to this. May we make much of Christ in our day. And may we sacrifice to be with God's people. Look how much Naomi and look how much Ruth, look how much they're going to sacrifice to be with God's people. 
What a challenge for us today, just as church project, just as the American church here in 2020. Like it's so easy to be a Christian. It's so easy to gather together. Like we're probably in our pajamas watching this today with our coffee and our coffee and our frappuccinos and our Uversion Bible apps, right? But here's the deal. In this world, you will have trouble. And to follow the way of God is going to be hard in our life. There's going to be sacrifices that we're going to have to make to be with God's people. And so the way that I say this, quite frankly, for Church Project, is some of us might need to change our schedules in order to prioritize being around God's people. May, we may have to go, you know what, this is a, such a priority to me. I'm going to leave Moab so I can be around God's people. And I would encourage everyone, be part of a house church. Don't let excuses pop up anymore on our screens. Like, we need to encourage each other. We need relationships. We need to make sacrifices to be with God's people. Now, I want to close up right here, just as, just as the story ends, because in verse 12, let's read verse 12. Returning home. Uh, return home, my daughter-in-laws. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait for them to grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. And then this is the part I want us to get. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. The Lord's hand has turned against me. I wonder how many of us are living in Moab, or even today. We've been apart from God's presence, apart from God's people for a long time, and we finally realize that we repent, we start turning back, and we go, the Lord's hand has turned against me. Isn't it just like us to wallow in our shame? And I think that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to just... Look at our actions, and that is the justification of our faith, our actions, to wallow in that shame. All along, Jesus, God, is in Judah and Bethlehem cheering us on, saying, come home, come home, come home. It's been too long. I'm here. I'm ready for you. You don't need to change your name to bitter. You don't need to wallow in the mud and wallow in the shame. Like, there's a time for repentance. Totally get that. But how many of us stay there? And we walk around with this identity of shame the rest of our life. Now, just, this doesn't mean, though, that we need to check our emotions at the door because I, I imagine she's waking up to a reality and it's real emotions and her emotions are real to her. What she's going through is real. Reminds me of Isaiah 41.10. It says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So whatever it is she's going through, God's saying, don't fear. I'm going I'm to strengthen you. I'm going to walk with you in this reality. As you turn 180, you repent. You go from Moab back to the land of Judah. I'm there, and I'm here. I'm here to accept you and to walk with you. God is super patient with his people. Church, this is just the beginning. We just got through the first 13 verses of Ruth chapter 1. The first five verses are pretty disgusting, filled with funeral and famines and just devastation. We see in verses 6 through 13, the story starts to turn. Naomi starts to realize what's up. Ruth latches onto her, and they begin this journey back to the presence of God and the people of God. 
May that be reflective in our life as we reflect on this passage. May we just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. God, is where you have me today, right now, where you want me? Do you want me to stay here? Do you want me to adjust to the right or adjust to the left? How am I living that doesn't glorify you? And may I be bold enough to turn, even though I've lived here for 10 years and this is now my habit. This is what I like and this is what I prefer. May I change, may I become um, one that follows you in your spirit when you prompt me. And so I'm going to pray for us today. God, thank you for this beautiful, horrible story of Ruth so far. God, we know how this book ends, and we know what you're doing. You're rebuilding Naomi. You're showing your greatness to the world at large through devastation. And God, just as your people and as your church today, we can relate. I pray that when life gets hard, like you say it will, when we are experiencing famines and funerals, when we are experiencing depression, when we are experiencing miscarriages, when we are experiencing great pain and death, when we're experiencing all that this world is throwing at us, that we know God and we can hang on because you are God and you are good. You will use the disgusting things of the world to bring glory to your name. And God, you will give us joy. You won't let us stay in darkness. You won't let us stay away from your presence in this pain, God. Give us the patience. Give us the understanding to move through our pain and to trust, God, that where you're taking us is beautiful. It's filled with hope, filled with joy. And God, we celebrate that. Thank you for letting us gather today. In your name we pray, amen. Church, here we are. Another great Sunday. I would encourage you, right after this is Project Kids. And so, man, stand up, start stretching. Don't pull a hammy. Don't pull a hammy. Jump up, do some jumping jacks, do whatever you need to do to worship with our kids. I love this part. Rachel's putting in so much work to make this just a beautiful time with our project kids. So send her text messages, encourage her, chat on the side, whatever you need to do. But thank you for worshiping with us. Continue worshiping through project kids. Thank you. It's been a beautiful morning. We'll see you at House Church.